0: I don't think it has really sunk into any of our hearts tonight, the extent of the mercy of God. The story of Hosea does help. It's the story where God commands this prophet to go and to take a wife of whoredoms. We don't know much about her condition before marriage, but we know that after marriage, Gomer, Hosea's wife, was very unfaithful. She became a prostitute. She sold her body to sin. And in the course, she had three children. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and today we continue our series in First Peter. We're turning today to that great text where a people who have obtained mercy, who knew no mercy. First Peter chapter 2. Two. We have Mary Mook to sing for us, Come ye us, consulate. And we begin with our question today, Why become a Christian? Because heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. The prophet Amos cried out to the people, Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Over the years of my ministry, I have spoken on that text at funeral services around the graveside. At such a time when the casket is to be lowered into Mother Earth, when a body is led to rest until the resurrection day, how important that we consider the need to prepare for heaven. There is great danger that men do not prepare for heaven at all. Whether they just procrastinate or get taken up with the things of this world, it is a tragedy when a man goes into eternity with no preparation. Men prepare for all kinds of emergencies and events. Some that may never happen. Well, we know death is sure to happen to us all, yet many do nothing to prepare for that hour when we shall stand before God. The Lord Jesus promises those who trust in him that he has gone to prepare a place for us, and he will come again and receive us unto himself. He is now preparing a home in heaven for every one of his believing people. But are we prepared? Preparation is needed because the truth of the gospel must be received and acted upon. Men may know that the Lord Jesus is the Savior and the Savior of the world, and they may know that he is the only way to heaven, but unless they come to the Lord personally, they, and indeed you, my dear listener today, then you are living in unbelief. It is to consider the facts and deliberately decide to leave them either to someone else or to another time. You are denying and disobeying the clear call of the Lord to go unto Him for salvation. Thus you are not prepared to enter heaven. One of the criteria listed in the book of Revelation, chapter um, 21, verse 8, that makes men unfit for heaven, is unbelief. It says, But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And you may say, Well, I'm none of those things. I am not a murderer. I am not a whoremonger. I am not into witchcraft or sorcery. I don't use idols. I don't deliberately tell lies. But let me tell you that if you have not acted upon the claims of the gospel, you're an unbeliever. And it says that the fearful and unbelieving are among the list of those that are not fit for heaven. Heaven is the place where all men worship the Savior as the eternal lamb, that is, as their substitute and as their personal Lord and Savior. Each one has confessed Christ to be their only hope for heaven, and have trusted in his redeeming work to be saved from the wrath of God. Believers believe. They trust and call out to the Lord to have mercy on them, and they are given promises that they will have eternal life. Think on John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. These have prepared for heaven through believing and receiving the Lord as their very own personal Savior. You need to become a Christian, or a Christ one, because heaven is a prepared place for his own prepared people, those who have believed on his name and claimed his salvation." Well, let's unite in prayer for a moment. We'll ask the Lord to work in our hearts and bless His Word to us today. Father, we thank Thee for this opportunity to set before men and women the wonderful news of the gospel that we have a Savior that is full of mercy. And I pray today that as we turn to our pulpit ministry that You will bless Your Word, write it on hearts, and work out Your perfect will in each life. We ask Thee to call men to that personal preparation to know that they are saved and ready to enter into eternity. This we pray and ask in our Savior's name. Amen. Now we're turning to our message. Open your Bible, please, at 1 Peter chapter 2. Back to our Bibles here, to 1 Peter chapter 2. And I wanted to read that uh, first chapter of Hosea because this really is what Peter is quoting from. In the 10th verse of chapter 2, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. There's an incident that gives us a very good definition of mercy. There was a mother who went to Napoleon Bonaparte to plead for her guilty son. And she went to him, had an interview with the uh, general, and she pleaded his case and said, Sir, I plead for mercy. And he said, but this is the second time that he has committed this crime. And she said, Sir, I didn't ask for justice. I asked for mercy. And then Napoleon said to her, but he doesn't deserve mercy. And the mother said, but if, it, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. And then it dawned on the general's mind. And he said, very well then, you shall have mercy. I don't think it has really sunk into any of our hearts tonight, the extent of the mercy of God. The story of Hosea does help. It's the story where God commands this prophet to go and to take a wife of whoredoms. We don't know much about her condition before marriage, but we know that after marriage, Gomer, Hosea's wife, was very unfaithful. She became a prostitute. She sold her body to sin. And in the course, she had three children. The first is called Jezreel, which means scattered. And this prophecy of Hosea, his wife and his children, is really a prophecy about Israel because of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. That was spiritual adultery. The first child, Jezreel, was really a picture of Israel, that it would be scattered. The second child was a girl called lo ru And lo being a daughter, means not pitied. The third child was called Lo-amai, a son. And the meaning is, not my people. And this, of course, was a prophecy to the nation of Israel that because of their idolatry, their sin, their rebellion to God, that they were scattered, they were not pitied, and they were not the people of God. But at the, toward the end of the chapter, even chapter 1, you see a turnaround and there is a but, a yet. And God promises, yet I will gather Israel and she shall be my people. Certainly true when you come to the days of our Lord Jesus Christ in his first coming into the world. And there was yet mercy and pity. And out of the scatterings of Israel because of their ungodliness, God raised up a Messiah and a Savior and began building his church all over again in the New Testament sense. Now, this is the story of grace of every person who is saved and born again. It's true in your life and mine. There was a time when we were scattered, when we were not pitied, when we were not the people of God. But by marvelous grace and by the power of the gospel, tonight we are gathered. We have received pity, and we are the people of God. And Peter takes this, and he takes that Wording, which certainly to people of a Jewish mind who understood the book of Hosea, and the story of Hosea, Peter took those words and said, "For this we are to show forth the praises of God." Last week it was we were to enjoy the light of the gospel. Tonight we are to enjoy the liberty of the gospel. We who were once not a people, but are now, by God's grace, made to be the people of God. I have a very simple outline on this text tonight. Firstly, we are to show forth God's praises, the wonders, the excellencies of a God who so works in the heart of His people because of our need for mercy. Our deep-seated need. Let's go to 1 Peter now. Chapter 2, and to verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7. And it says, Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Every born-again Christian who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and can say, My Savior is precious to me. He is special to me. We have to go back. And think of those times when we were without Christ. When we were disobedient, when we were stumbling at that very stone who is the chief corner of the whole building of God's church. Can you remember days in your personal life when you heard someone speak about the Lord Jesus? I remember in my hometown hearing street preachers very common thing in my home country, where on market day, someone would just set up a set of loudspeakers, take a microphone, and blast the gospel just up down the town where people would be thronging the streets. Or at special occasions like the 12th of July, one of the biggest Protestant holidays, and uh, wherever that gathering was, there were thousands of people, and maybe not during the main event, but as soon as the event is over, there'd always be somebody that would get out the loudspeakers and start to preach. And so it was pretty hard to grow up in my home country not having heard the gospel, not having heard the name of the Lord Jesus preached. Even though the church I went to, uh, there was no gospel light. It was dark. Uh, Our minister was an absolute... Dumbwit when it came to the gospel. And he could tell all kinds of nice little Johnny stories, but there was just no salvation message at all. And we look back, and you and I can remember and reminisce on days when we stumbled at the name of the Lord Jesus. He was, his name was a stumbling stone to us. It was a rock of offense. And we would have taken offense at anyone that would come up to our face and said, "You need Jesus Christ in your life." And we would have counted it mighty strange. We were there. Now you notice in verse 10, uh, sorry, verse eight, that it says, And a stone of a stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, were unto also they were appointed." Now, those are reprobates. These are people who can never be saved, who can never have eternal life. They are appointed to darkness. Now, it's in the Bible. This is a biblical doctrine. I'm not making up things here. And as there is an election, there is a reprobation. As there is a people who are chosen from eternal life, then there is a people who are left to their darkness. I do not believe in a double election, whereby God sets his mind on people and chooses them to eternal life by a deliberate decree, and then others by a deliberate decree are destined to hell. I believe in what our Westminster Confession of Faith teaches, that God passes them over. Out of his sovereign, inscrutable will, he chooses some to eternal life and passes by others. Now, what a mercy that you and I have been called, chosen, not appointed to damnation, but appointed to eternal life. And, of course, it's faith that makes the difference. It's faith makes all the difference. Once we were going in blind darkness, stumbling along as a blind man, and we had no clue to our sin, no clue to our deep-seated need. In fact, I was reading Luke chapter 17 this week again. And it talks about, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And it tells us that in those days that they were eating, drinking, giving in marriage, there was normless. They were blind to the danger, blind to the judgment of God upon the world. And you and I have to say there was a time when we were just as blind. We had no understanding of the danger that we were in. Now, mercy has no place in law. A judge, he acts to uphold the law, and the law demands... Judgment, justice, the law can never bestow or give mercy. And justice demands eternal punishment. And there is our need for mercy. And I don't think we'll ever comprehend the value of mercy until we comprehend how lost we were. How close to eternal destruction, how near the fires of the wrath of God we were until God intervened. Who were not a people, not pitied, knowing no mercy. But now... We are the people of God. What a a great gulf between those two things. So there's the reason to give our praise to God and thank him for our salvation and give him the glory for this wonderful gospel because of the great need. But now I want you to look in verse 10 at the bestowal of God's mercy. I want you to see the manner in which it was bestowed. We're going to look at the words now. We're going to get words specific in verse 10. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Obviously, you'll see the word obtained comes up two times. It is the same Greek word, but it is rendered a little bit differently. They are both passive It is something that's done to us. We obtain mercy. It's not our action. It is not our doing. It's bestowed upon us. And once we were not God's people, we had not obtained mercy. It was not bestowed on us. We were left untouched. And we were not pitied. We were like, Loruama, that daughter of Gomer and Hosea, not pitied. Then, in God's grace, we became the people of God because we obtained mercy. Now, the second obtained is very interesting to us because it means that it was bestowed all at once. It's what the Greek grammarians call the aorist tense. It's done once. In the first word, obtained, it is passive progressive. It's, it's something that we could never have obtained of ourselves. But in the second, it is bestowed once. It's like taking a truck down to the docks. And there you drive through the gates of the shipyard and uh, you uh, hand in the information, to the container that's to be loaded. And when they find that container, the uh, forklift or the crane will bring that big container and just dump it right onto the truck. One complete huge load all at once. And you can see the weight coming down on the truck, the very Tire pressures, the tires will begin to bulge at the bottom as the weight of that complete container is laid upon the truck. That is obtained, bestowed once. Now in old days when truck drivers, they may have had a crew of men to go along and they'd have to go to work to load the truck. And they may be in sacks or boxes and they would put a ramp up and there they would physically carry these items and load the truck item by item until it's filled, the load's completed and then they go off. But nowadays, containers is just one big dump, one load complete. And when you and I were saved, we obtained mercy. It was given or bestowed upon us all at once. A complete deal. We did not get salvation little by little. We did not grow into it. We did not earn it piecemeal, we did not come into the riches of the gospel little by little. It was a complete, absolute, perfect bestowal of mercy. And that agrees with the doctrine of justification by faith alone. I alluded to this this morning in our communion service that when we are saved, that we receive the merits of Christ to our account. And it has to be either all God or all man. It cannot be a bit of both, it cannot be a mixture of both. It seems in many religions and many presentations of Christianity people get the idea that you become a Christian by you do your best and God will do the rest. or You uh, trust God to work in you, and then your performance will get better. That's sort of infused grace. Maybe at baptism you have this infused grace, which enables you now to do certain things, to earn merits that will make you a child of God. That's not the gospel. That's not what Peter is saying here. You were a people who were not a people, then suddenly become the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And in justification, when you trust the Lord as your Savior by faith alone, you are declared righteous, buying the complete bestowal of God's mercy upon your soul. And so it's not of him that willeth, not of him that runneth; it is of God that showeth mercy. What a wonderful Savior! What a wonderful God we have! Therefore, we're to show forth His praises. That's what Peter is
1: requiring. Come ye
0: Thank you again for your time joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. May the Lord bless you richly. May his mighty grace fill your heart. And I trust that you will be uh, in touch with us here as we continue to Let the Bible Speak day by day, Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., Sunday mornings, 5 a.m. and 10 a.m. for our church morning service. And then, of course, our webcast that you can go on your computer to our website and view, listen to our church services here at the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. I trust you'll do that. So listen to the announcements, take down the website, phone number, all the details. May the Lord bless you until tomorrow when we let the Bible speak.
2: This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 90 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information please go to our website at CloverdaleFPC.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604 one zero nine one. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor. Cloverdale FPC at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at Cloverdale ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and His great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5am and 5pm and on Sundays at 9.30am on this station for full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.